Welcome to Europa Rama, a podcast series about science fiction and the future of Europe. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Are We Europe, the podcasting family and magazine which collectively asks the question what it means to be European. My name is Giuseppe Porcaro and I am the author of Disco Sour, a novel about Europe and democracy in the age of the algorithms. In each episode, I talk to a fellow writer and together we will explore and create a fictional future scenario for the old continent. The idea of the series is really to take science fiction as a tool to explore multiple narratives for the future of Europe and also to consider storytelling as a tool to create spaces for a European imagination. I strongly believe that the future of the continent is not a one-way direction and actually science fiction can raise awareness that our own choices and the political choices that we have in front of us determine our future. Also, and this is very important as a caveat, fiction is not prediction. So this is not a podcast by futurologists, this is a podcast by creative writers who are using science fiction to imagine different kind of futures. Today, I'm happy to host Loranne Vella. Hello, Loranne. Hello, Giuseppe. Loranne Vella is a Maltese writer, translator and performer. She co-wrote the three volumes of the Fidian trilogy with uh, Simon Bartolo, if I pronounce him correctly. And each of the three volumes won the National Book Prize in Malta. And in 2012, her novel Magna Mater won the second prize uh, in the category for young adults. And she lives in Brussels, where she also directs the interdisciplinary performance art group Barumbara Collective. Rocket, it's uh, her latest novel and was published uh, in March 2017 and won as well the Maltese National Book Prize actually just very recently in, in 2018. So, Lorane, um, I would like to start our space-time exploration of today mentioning a famous exercise by Isaac Asimov. Isaac Asimov's reader long found something prophetic in his work. But where did Asimov himself look when he wanted to catch a glimpse of the future? In 1964, he found one at the New York World's Fair, the vast exhibition dedicated to men's achievements on a shrinking globe in an expanding universe. That was the title of, uh, of, the, um, of the fair back then. Uh, history now remembers as uh, the most elaborate expression of the industrial and technological optimism of space-age America. And after visiting the fair, Asimov wrote a piece for the New York Times where he wondered what life would have been like in 2014. And when describing the world in 50 years, he actually got right quite a lot of stuff from uh, the development of computers to transportation and demographics. And I'm mentioning Asimov because you have actually used that article as an inspiration back in 2014 while you were working on Rocket. And you imagined a version of Europe's future in 2064. So how that version of a, of a future Europe looks like? So it was interesting that uh, I actually um, read the article, Asimov's article, in 2014 so that meant a lot to me that i was reading it uh, my present 
was his future. Rather than concentrating on what technological developments he was foreseeing, I was interested in trying to do the exercise, the same exercise myself, and imagine how life in, in the world, but mostly in Europe, could be like 50 years from then. So that would be 2064. And um, suddenly I realized that I was actually thinking, uh, if, 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 by thinking about 2064, that had a special meaning to me because 2064 means exactly 100 years after um, Malta achieved independence from from the British Empire. And uh, w what I decided to do was to think about all the things that we have gained as as a as a as a world at uh, the world in general the the continent of europe but also the malta as a country so what have we gained in all this time and maybe what would the world be like if we were to start to to, to lose all these things that we have gained so for me i imagine the future which would be not better but worse than the present something that would probably remind us actually of the past a future which reminds us of the past this uh, um, there's a there's a term which doesn't mean it doesn't mean this but it it sort of it came to my mind at the time this retro future mm -hmm. this idea mm -hmm. that the yeah. future is uh, could look more like the past than than Um, more, <laughs> yeah, this um, uh, we have this with Space 1999. No, that the, their impression of the future now looks so <laughs> outdated. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to create that. So um, the first thing that I did was think about all the progresses, all the, uh, the the progress that we have made. For example, Europe. Well, it's a very special example because this is about Europe. Europe. A united Europe. We have worked so hard to make the the continent whole, one whole mass of land. Uh, what if we decide that actually, actually, we're much better off by being fragmented? So there was a time when we thought unity was uh, an answer, and but actually in the future, that's not valid anymore. It's not a good answer anymore. Uh, the opposite would be a good answer. So let's fragment Europe. In that specific version of the future. In that, that specific, you... yes. So I, I was thinking in terms of what if what works today doesn't work in 50 years' time because we're not there anymore or we're too old to have a valid voice in in the shaping of, of our present Uh, so for, for, for the generation that will, the generation of today that will become, um, you know, sh shapers of their world in 50 years time, the un unity doesn't work. So that was one, one thing that I, I tried to, to create, a fragmented Europe, which is actually what was the reality in the past. Um, also, climate change, let's see where this is going what if the world would start going crazy and everything will start falling out of place what if the sea is angry at us and it starts eroding corroding the the stone itself so 
obviously this is all the backdrop of the the story of rocket i see and in this world that you imagine so there is a fragmented europe so there is climate change well the sea is taking over so land is uh, is also becoming more fragmented to a certain extent what else happens you know like the geopolitical scenario what uh, yeah. what, what what do you have around yeah um, so also um, since as i said um, 2064 marks uh, 100 years of independence i i figured what if malta is no longer independent so we were uh, we We have achieved independence, yes, but what if we lose it again? This is this becomes important because um, we tend to take things for granted. We're like mm -hmm. we have achieved this, so we'll always have this. But what if we lose it again? So in in my 2064, okay, Europe doesn't exist. Uh, the EU, sorry, doesn't exist as a unity, and each country decides to fend for itself, but also to create alliances according to what is necessary and i i was imagining an alliance between italy france and germany i don't know you are more into geopolitics than i am <laughs> how would you what do you think would no, it's be pretty this? interesting combination you know we uh, we usually had france and germany always always on the opposite sides that's so why that, i put them together that, that is a very uh So, some sort of continuation <laughs> of the Franco-German uh, cooperation yes, that, yes, we, uh, that we have in the European exactly, Union. So that, yeah. that's quite interesting. And with the addition of Italy, which makes it uh, a little bit more exotic. <laughs> For me, the Italy becomes important. So Italy is the, the country that will take over Malta in, in, in Rocket. For a very important Uh, reason i was always uh, i always thought of italy as our neighbor we 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 spoke italian as uh, we can speak italian also forgetting that uh, we were heavily bombarded by the italians during the world war Two. and so i said what if our friendly neighbors actually decide in the future that um, really We 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 have other plans for you. We actually want your uh, little island to be a side project for us. So so this for me is a, an element of surprise for the future, which is very important when envisioning the future. And what what the Italians will do with <laughs> Malta? This is this uh, works with the idea of the of what uh, climate changes is. Um, how climate change affects this little island um, so Italy will present itself like a Trojan horse uh, in the sense that uh, uh, Malta is having is, is encountering um, big problems because of the tsunamis and other uh, floods and other climate um, problems and uh, Italy will lend a hand but at a very high price. And that uh, we become, yet again, we have to surrender our independence to a more powerful force, uh, which has been, I think Malta is, um, I, I try to work on the idea that Malta has a very envious position, geographical position in the middle of the Mediterranean. So it was very important during uh, World War II. And I wanted to, recreate that um, how 
could this, this geographic strategic position in the Mediterranean become useful for more powerful countries in the future. And uh, I thought of this idea of transforming Malta into a space station. And this is, this is also part of the, the way I envisaged uh, this rocket as a, as a novel of the future. In, in 64, science fiction was uh, very much concerned with space travel. And then, little by little, space travel became, well, a bit of a reality, but as a reality, very far away from what what uh, what the stories looked like, you know. So it, in reality, uh, these uh, time warps and uh, you know tra traveling to other galaxies did not materialize. So little by little, we became more interested in cyberspace, and a lot of stuff has been written during the, the past few years about cyberspace. So I. And I did that with Magna Mater, actually. It is about cyberspace. So I said, I want to go back to this idea of uh, space exploration because it's also uh, an echo of the past. What if in the future there is no more cyberspace? So again, we start getting interested in traveling into space. So Walter becomes a space, an Italian space center. Which is very interesting to think about the Italians being uh, one of the technological nations that would lead the space race. <laughs> because, well, of course, it, it can lead to a totally different kind of scenarios. I mean, I can imagine uh, some all sort of space food uh, made by the Italians <laughs> in, the, in the space station. Mm, I mean, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> but beside that, I mean, I, I, I really like your idea of um, of Malta being like this island in the middle of uh, of the Mediterranean, which is uh, used as a portal mm. somehow, and I and I like this idea of a portal because uh, somehow Malta has been a port exactly. in between east and west and between south um, and north and. Um, and somehow now it becomes a portal between uh, Earth and, hmm. and outer space. And, um, and that leads to me, I mean, to my imagination a little bit, leads to, to thinking that uh, in that 2064, if space race is again uh, like the main goal of uh, humankind in terms of technology and in terms of uh, also power relations, places like that, like Malta, that are falling apart because of climate change, can find a new role, at least temporarily, before mm. they are synced, maybe. <laughs> by the um, the carbon emissions of the <laughs> rockets <laughs> for example but i like i like very much this idea of portal that you that that you elaborate and um i also wonder if you had more of this in terms of uh, this idea of portal which is a a, a door towards other universes and other world, which is reflected in this new reality of this Europe, how it translates on, on other dimensions. Unexpectedly, in Rocket, we encounter a time portal. Mm. And this comes like after the middle, after the middle section of the, of the novel. That by coincidence, somebody discovers this portal that, uh, which can take this, the person to the past and to the future. I use that as a device 
because it it really works with this idea that time is not linear. In fact, uh, when I was thinking about the how I would create the future, I said it's it's not a it's not a straight line forward. Like we're not just mm -hmm. progressing and progressing and progressing, but very often it's just circular. We go back and we go we go round in cycles. Maybe learning a bit, but still repeating the same mistakes. So for me, this idea that time could be circular becomes very important. So much so that the characters themselves there are, there are a few characters that end up getting caught in a loop and they cannot mm. get out of it mm. the the main one of the main characters petrel is is caught in this loop because he he is the, the, this central character has no roots in time and no roots in space geographical space so i i experiment explore this idea that uh, this person has has no uh, roots and he he is traveling first in in space geographically he travels all around europe trying to find his roots and then he ends up in malta because his grandmother is maltese and he remains there maybe against his wishes trying to find his roots and then not finding them geographically he looks for them spatially he travels in time because he discovers this this portal um going backwards and then going forward trying to find an answer to his this existential question that's pretty an interesting device that you introduce in your in your word and um i would like to use it actually a little bit further because mm -hmm. uh, you you start to imagine this um this universe where there is a fragmented europe and where there is space traveling is very important and so on but where time traveling is also important so i probably I would like to to see more of this time traveling in that dimension, and um, I would even go as far as um, thinking. Uh, you know, uh, it, it reminds me a lot of uh, La Jeté mm -hmm. or or uh, or Twelve Monkeys, uh, and mm -hmm. um, and basically trying to see how the deep future would uh, would influence the past and the present in, mm. in, in your reality. So I kind of, I, I kind of imagine that um, the reason why in your world um, uh, Europe is fragmented is due to people coming from the deep future, like 2254 or something like that, <laughs> who are faced with... Um, a huge war around uh, several continents. Actually, in this 254 that I imagine, uh, the European Union is actually very strong. It became very a, a, a big superpower, and uh, the um, it's a big superpower. The, the in 2254, uh, the United States don't exist anymore. <laughs> China exists. It's it's pretty big it, it extends from from the actual china now to the whole african continent but actually it's the latin americans who are united who take the place of the united states the and um it's this war between the the european union and um the united forces of the latin american Boliv bolivia Boli uh, bolivarian republics <laughs> uh which uh, which leads to people think that um 
that it's better off if the European Union doesn't get that strong. And they travel back to the past, which is 2000 and uh, I don't know, maybe 34 or something like that, like uh, a couple of decades, uh, two, three decades before your uh, mm -hmm. your word, and they, uh, they, they decide to put in motion some... Uh, some forces that uh, will lead to the fragmentation of Europe. So finally I have found the answer. <laughs> this is why this is why Europe has has decided to dismantle itself. It it's interesting. Um uh the 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 first seed for for this idea in, of, of rocket uh, is actually is actually found in in my previous novel which was a, a, a young adult novel called Magna Mater. And in this novel, uh, the main character called Elizabeth, a 15-year-old girl, she, she likes to write stories. And one of her stories is about this, actually. At school, she's learning about the, 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 the problems that, are, that the world is facing with climate change and that there's a summit going on. By the way, the Magna Mater also happens in the future, in, in 2020, mm. 2020. Mm. And uh, she's given a task to, to write something about, uh, to, to do some research about this summit, world summit that's going to be taking place where the leaders of the world have to really find an answer to, to the problems of climate change. And, well, she, she, she finds her answer in the future and she decides to write a story where the main character called V, which is modeled on her mother actually, um, is sent to the future to find the solution for the present and I I've always been a Lajete fan <laughs> and 12 Monkeys obviously but I have to admit that while I was writing this I wasn't thinking it was there obviously but I, I wasn't thinking in terms of Lajete it was, it was so I wrote that uh, story I put it in, uh, in in the novel and I liked it so much that I guess I want to continue de developing in, a, in another novel and I did and it was only when I was working on Rocket that I realized like what am I how have I not seen this before I, I mean I'm this is La Jete and in Rocket in fact I focus a lot on, on La Jete it's, um, uh, it's it's credited as a, a major influence but I like this this idea so basically in this uh, future Europe universe we have uh, People from the past traveling to the future, trying to fix problems of the past to the future, and people from the future traveling to the past in order to fix problems of the future, which is kind of a mind fuck if you think <laughs> about it. But basically, the result, the way you are putting it, it's very circular in the end of the day. So even if people are trying to solve the problems of... Uh, Europe's today or in that the present where they are now by traveling in the past or in the future in the end of the day everything gets back <laughs> the good things gets back but the bad things gets back and uh, it's all mixed up I, I, I really like this um, like this way of uh, it's a very it, it's not a utopian way it's not a dystopian way either I would say you know like it's like uh, a little bit and cynical but at the same time realistic way of how we deal with our own problems i love this idea that in fiction i can travel back and forth that my characters can can go back to change something or go forward to to bring an answer to the present i love that but in in real life i'm exactly the opposite 
in the sense that I believe, I, I accept everything that happens because I believe this is uh, all, all the good and bad things that happen to us are basically what um, make what make us makes us who we are. So in real life, if I were given the possibility to travel back in time to change something, I wouldn't because as we know, <laughs> if it were possible, by changing a little detail, uh, we will end up with changing the whole the whole picture completely. So I wouldn't risk doing that. So if I may say another element of this um, imagined universe or imagined future of Europe of 2064, which is characterized by, by fragmentation of Europe, uh, climate catastrophes and time traveling, one of the things that we can say is that because there is the possibility of going back and forth, nothing is really fixed. And it's like some sort of very fluid present, which is ever-changing. And somehow in this ever-changing present, um, as you say, you know, like, because people try to fix things, but in the end of the day, what does it mean to fix things? You know, like, it means that it's some sort of future which is stuck in its own present. Mm. Could we could we get that far on? I've been thinking a lot about this because in in Rocket, the character who seems to be the puppet master in the sense that he is the one who can travel back in time and change things back back and mm -hmm, forth in mm -hmm. time and can change things. He he has this arrogant attitude because he feels like he has uh, the power the power exactly to, to make things happen but i in reality believe that he was meant to do that <laughs> so whether <laughs> as in like just as um, i came here because i had an appointment with you this character also changed things around because he had uh, some I don't know it, like it, it. He was meant to do that. So whether so he is even really in this, <laughs> even in this fluidity and mm -hmm. in these ever-changing possibilities, mm -hmm. you would say that there were there is some sort of predestination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't realize this, but that's that's what I think. Yes. And just just to conclude, how would you see now? I mean, stepping back a little bit, because we already build up a little bit more from the basis of what you described in, in, in your reality in the book. But basically, we went a little bit further on. If you would go one step further, um, how would you see that situation leading to, you know, like you say that Malta would be uh, would be dom dominated by the Italians, there is this alliance and so on. What else would happen? You know, would that be the status quo? Would would that be the way this 2064 would look like, or would there be some sort of revolution that would change things again? You know, it almost looks like things get build, build, and build, and mm. then they get destroyed to be rebuilt again. Yeah. So, uh, which kind of stage of uh, of that cycle? would you place that reality and um, and how would you would you see that process you know happening in that um, in that uh, in that universe if i were to look at the history of of mankind i i have this tendency to see that man is um, at some point he's 
busy building something. And when he finishes that, he's busy dismantling it. As you said, in fact, uh, this is one of the, uh, this is the title actually of a fictitious uh, book quoted in Rocket, uh, which means uh, there are people who are busy building and there are pe people busy dismantling. And this is how I see the cycle of life that um, first we start off with an idea and we try to make it happen and we build on it. And then there comes a point where we can build no longer and that would probably be, be the point where we are too tired or too old to continue to come up with fresh ideas. And the generation after us will just take that and start dismantling it because that is the nature of, of humankind. We look at what others before us have built and we try to dismantle it to build something new not realizing that probably we'll just build the same thing in a in a different way or sort of a more um, like there is there is this kind of progress but sometimes it's just a disguised progress it's just the same thing in a uh, wearing a different suit uh, so I, I might be a bit pessimistic in, in this or, or maybe it's not me maybe it's the character Albert who who says this that this is this is how the world goes we we're just we're caught in this loop as well and this uh it's more of a spiral than a loop it's whether it's upward or downward it depends uh but it's something that we know we have learned is that man does not learn from his past mistakes he just repeats them with more attitude Wow, that's not really a, a very optimistic <laughs> conclusion about <laughs> about how the future of Europe would look like. <laughs> but of course, that's um, that's very relevant. I would say that's very relevant about reflection on on human nature mm. and um, and and how human nature, um, yeah, you know, repeats itself and somehow is predictable sometimes. And uh, for how much we think that we are unpredictable, uh, within the course of history, we can see predictable partners, part patterns sometimes. But I would like still to, to end on an optimistic note, you know. Which a rocket does. Yeah, no, no, I mean, so, not, not, not no, for just, Rocket, but no, for... No, no, I wanted to... I would uh, say for, for, for <laughs> us and this, um, and this word uh, of uh, 2064, mm -hmm. I would say that, uh, yeah, there are these, these, uh, these people from the deep future who come and destroy the EU, and then there are people <laughs> from, the, from, the, from the near future who goes in the future and tries to, to solve climate change... Um, maybe uh, maybe some people of the present will will uh, will do other stuff that would would change the course of history. But uh, we mentioned Arthur, uh, we mentioned um, Isaac Asimov uh, at the beginning of, of the episode, mm -hmm. and uh, and the way he was imagining uh, the world in 1964. And I would like maybe to remind also um, another uh, classic writer of science fiction, which is Arthur C. Clarke. Mm -hmm. Which is around the same uh, the same time was also making uh, predictions predictions, yes. predictions of the future, and uh, and back then it was um, it was saying I uh, something like um, 
uh, I don't really know how the future mm-hmm. will look like, but the only thing that I know is that it's it going to be, be fantastic. Fantastic, <laughs> exactly. So on this, I think that we can kind of agree. Yes, definitely. <laughs> for whatever kind of uh, uh, way we would define fantastic. <laughs> I thank you very much, Lorane. This was a, a really, uh, a really good, um, a really good discussion, and um, I hope you have enjoyed this episode of uh, Europa Rama. I would like to remind you that uh, Rocket is. Uh, at the moment still only in Maltese and uh, it won the National Book Award of 2018 but it will be translated it's mm-hmm. under translation actually at in English moment, yes. at the moment mm-hmm. so uh, it will be forthcoming in English and um, and I hope that you will enjoy uh, reading it when uh, when it will, be, it will be out thank you for listening to Europarama uh, and you can check out the other podcasts of uh, the Are We Europe podcasting family on their website and their own channel and wherever you're listening to your podcast look at the show notes because there's going to be all the links and everything so until next time bye bye bye